All of us are on a journey of becoming, a never-ending journey in pursuit of truth and deeper union with the divine. Many of you know that faith is a complicated thing and that our journey of becoming can be both difficult and painful. Far too often, we have not been given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson. My good friend Greg Ferrand and I are also on this journey of becoming. We are both dedicated to inviting you into our journeys and creating a space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. We want to take an honest look at the issues and questions so common to this shared journey that we all find ourselves on. We want to genuinely seek out what it means to follow Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our unfolding and expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. We have come to know that doubt is not the enemy of faith, but rather that both doubt and curiosity are two of our biggest allies. We have learned that the Christian faith is more about wisdom and love than it is about correct doctrine or belief. And we believe that we are being invited to continually seek out both wisdom and love, renewing our minds, expanding our hearts, and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining us on that journey. All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Rethinking Faith podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Josh Patterson, and Greg is still doing sabbatical, whatever that means. Um, he That's what he's doing. And he's been traveling and going to lots of cool places, telling me lots of fun stories. I saw him for lunch recently, which was good. So he is still present. He is still here with us. <laughs> and he's not trying to desert the podcast. Uh, but yeah, he's not here. It's me. And I have uh, actually a returning guest. It's been a hot second uh, since they've been on. But um, yeah, I'm excited because last time they were on, they were with uh, another friend of mine, Dan Koch. And, you know, you know how Dan is. Dan always tries to take over the show, so to speak. So this time, Sari is here, and Sari doesn't have to put up with Dan's BS. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? Talk like trash talk Dan for introduction. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, my it's... favorite thing to do. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Dan. Uh, but yeah, Sari <laughs> Martin Concepcion is with me today. Sari, welcome back, and thank you so much for uh, agreeing to hang out today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me back, Mason. I'm grateful to be here. Wait, I called you Mason. <laughs> you did, and I was I was drinking water. Josh. And I was about to make a joke about that, but that's because we <laughs> we were talking about Mason prior to hitting record, and um, yeah. So Mason, who I don't think listens to this podcast, but now he should because his name's getting brought up. Marty, can you just fix that in post? <laughs> I'm embarrassed. <laughs> nah, anyway, it's all gosh, good. You're just two podcasting young white men. That's true. And <laughs> my hair is getting like it's long. getting long. Yeah. I mean, I can't compete with Mason quite yet, but it is getting there. So I can understand yeah. the confusion. And Mason doesn't have your cool accent. You have a little <laughs> bit of an accent. All right, I want it. What is the? <laughs> how would you place the accent? Because you're not the first person who has said this. 
It's with your like, like oh sound one or like I can't oh, do it. Dude. Can't All do right. It. No, so <laughs> when I uh worked with students when I was still a youth pastor, they made fun of me for that all the time (laughs) whenever i said the word on constantly (laughs) made fun of me (laughs) so i don't know if it's like uh because there's like such thing as like a baltimore accent um which i do live in baltimore um you said baltimore (laughs) see there you go see make someone say baltimore like i do (laughs) that's yeah people from outside of here say baltimore they enunciate all the uh Uh, man i'm now that i've been doing a lot of editing for my own podcast i start to notice people's different like vocal tics and like the filler words you use and stuff and i i'm like it is so true that people from california who i interview say like way more than people who are not from california you know there's more you knows too and like you know it's almost like its own word that shows up and it's pretty funny yeah um, it's it's being added to a webster dictionary as we speak it's the new, new thing. another thing i think that's more californian is saying yeah but no no but yeah 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 but no <laughs> <laughs> uh i try to think what like i feel like my Filler words tend to be boring. Like I'll say, um, yeah, um, uh, everyone has those. Um, uh, well, so well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Descript will automatically remove those for you if you ever use it. Another Descript ad. Another Descript. This podcast episode brought brought to you by Descript. No, I shouldn't do that. (laughs) They're not a sponsor. They're not paying for advertisement, so we're not gonna. That's true. They're not. Yeah. Okay. So well. What are we so, going to talk about? Yeah, well, so I want... before we do that and, mm-hmm. you know, talk about what we're going to talk about, for listeners who have not been listening to Rethinking Faith since, I think, were you on when it was called Theology Doesn't Suck? Has it been that long? Hmm. I don't remember. Or maybe it was, it was already, the... re- I think it was already okay. Rethinking Faith. Maybe cool. a Dan on before that on his own, but when yeah. I, was, oh, I think I, it was already. I did. Dan is the first yeah. person to say fuck on this podcast. And wow. when he did it, we recorded a uh, introduction where we said, hey, just so you know, there's some strong language in this episode. And mm-hmm. we and that was in there. Yeah. So it's Dan's fault. But uh, no. So for people who haven't didn't hear that episode, however long ago that was, could you just mm-hmm. kind of say like, hey, yeah. I'm Sari and this is what I do and who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um. For sure. My name is Sari Martin Concepcion, and uh, I identify as a podcaster and filmmaker. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, for I do that in a lot of contexts, both independently. Um, I have my own projects. I collaborate with my husband on film projects. And I also have a day job working for a nonprofit where I... Um, where I produce video and podcast content for them. Um, my heart right now is very um, is expanding because of a new project I'm working on. It's called The Winemaker. And I, about a little under a month ago, I launched a crowdfunding campaign to try to raise $15,000 for the production of it because 
I've made a scripted short film before, but I really wanted to like up level, as they say. I wanted to do a short film that like looked really cinematic and could show people really what I was capable of, both from like um, a genre standpoint. It's like a sci-fi film. And also from just the look of it, I want to work with like a, a cinematographer that like really knows what they're doing. And and so and even and in film language, like 15K is really not that much money. Like it'll be gone like that. Anyway, I, it's a 45 day campaign. We're still in it. It's open until the 4th of March. So I don't know when this will go live. But um, winemakermovie.com will take you there no matter what. Winemakermovie.com. Um. But uh, I met my goal in about 16 days and it blew my mind, the generosity of people um, and the momentum that it had. It seemed like there was like good anticipation for the project. And I just it was an excuse for me to like reach out to people and talk to for a while about the project. And everyone was just like so happy for me. And then that same time I decided like so to just rewind a little bit in December I had this like bad day where I got like two rejection letters two days in a row from two different like things that I had applied to. And I was like laying in bed, like experiencing the rejection in my body and like thinking like, what am I going to do? Like, what is this moment begging for? You know, and I knew that I wanted to make this movie already, this short film that I've been thinking about all year. Um, and I'd already and one of the things I applied for was a grant to start a podcast. And I was really loved like the project idea I had and stuff. So like all of a sudden I was laying there and I just felt like super sharp clarity. I was like, I'm going to launch this, the crowdfunding campaign after the holidays. Cause you know, it's hard to crowdfund during the holidays, like January 16th, I think was the date I chose. And I'm going to, I'm going to launch my own podcast that day too. And it's going to be a lot of fucking work, but I'm going to do it. And it's because I don't want to just say the podcast for a lot of reasons. It's it's called Secret Art Project. Secret Art Project is a brand name that I've been using for a while for my own projects and some of my collaborations with my husband. And it's just um, what I want the brand to communicate is about like my values and the things that are important to me. So basically by launching the podcast at the same time as the crowdfunding campaign, it wasn't just, Hey, I'm going to do this little movie. It's like, Hey, I'm, um, investing in myself creatively in a new way. And let me like communicate to you what that's about. And it's about like spiritual themes and, like beauty but sort of like off the beaten path like <laughs> like uh not just like superficial beauty but like uh the beauty of, that comes through suffering and and trauma um and it's about like hospitality and connection like creating community around projects um and like making it um a reciprocal thing like you invest in me, I invest in you, like come be part of this project. You help me, I help you. Like just creating this like real, this whole vibe around it. So that was a long, that was a long explanation. The last thing I'll say is that I have a background in the entertainment industry. For 10 years, I worked in talent management and I worked with, uh, our main client was Rob Zombie and we, we managed his music career and his film career and I got involved in his film projects but after that I got really burned out for a lot of reasons and I went to seminary 
and I went, I got a master's in theology and the arts from Fuller Seminary. And since then, I've been just trying to integrate myself. Like we can get into like deconstruction stuff if you want, but like, and I'm sure we will. Um, but like just integrating all those aspects of myself, like my lifelong interests in theology and God and all things spiritual and religious, but also my like um, interest in the entertainment industry and in film and music and the arts and just trying to integrate myself as a human being, especially in light of like so much change in my life. And, um, yeah, all that shit. <laughs> That's good. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, we, welcome. I mean, you filmed, uh, like a cool little video thing with Greg, but one, and he talked, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure he talked about I this. I can't when wait to this. show that. Yeah. But he like, uh, we, I don't know, Greg and I are just both like very much hold to this idea that story is, um, it's like the game like that's the whole thing the whole uh, thing like we think in stories right like yeah you tell yourself stories and i tell you stories and you tell stories about yourself like about what mason is thinking about you right. <laughs> exactly right exactly we right. talked about that before we started recording but like like that's just how we think as in narrative it's like we write stories about ourselves and other people constantly yeah. yeah and like it's cool when other people uh like are willing to share their story because then the the trick there and we say this all the time on this podcast is that when you are willing to share your story and go deep enough into your story the hope is always that uh, other people can find themselves there too yeah um and so totally. i just i don't know i think that's totally. always the coolest thing it helps us that's how we create meaning from things and it's like so nice when you see like I don't know, like when someone's writing a story about themselves where they're like, I'm a loser, like your friend, you know, and then you're like, well, what if you're not a loser? What if instead you've had these challenges and the, they don't define you and they go, hmm, if they go, hmm, that is a more plausible story. Like, <laughs> that's really nice, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. It's, uh, I don't know. I think even when I think back to like, growing up in church and stuff mm -hmm. the thing that i always remember from sermons is not what the fucking point of the sermon was it's always like the fun story that the pastor threw in right because in a good yeah. non-denominational church always have stories um usually there's one right in the beginning right yep. <laughs> and then there's <laughs> exactly. another one later on like before the ending and yeah. then the gospel start with one so that people you know maybe be a little bit self-deprecating people like kind of relate to you break the ice then share one that like kind of makes you the super cool person in the story but also like in a humble way and then bring in the gospel and that's how you write a sermon i've yeah. done it many times <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. Uh, yeah but all right so i i mean yeah i've been thinking about how like all these things so much of like like what greg talked about in that interview and what he does with second breath and like probably a lot of the things that we've all been like when we're trying to like heal so much of it is like this self-care stuff and like getting in touch with our bodies and like becoming more self-aware and like going to therapy everyone's going to therapy and they're really emphasizing things that were not emphasized in our 
church lives. Like not like, like self-esteem is not important. (laughs) Right. Like for me, it was like, no, just think about like you're a piece of shit, but God loves you, but only because he's got his Jesus glasses on, you know? (laughs) And it's sort of making sense of all that is, it's hard (laughs) when you're an adult and you're like trying to make sense of that. Yeah. It's super hard. And like, so you use the phrase a few times uh, that I want to pick up on you, you, cause you're talking Mm -hmm. about like feeling things in your body and that's not a way like, so Greg and I will talk that way, but that's not a way that like normal people or like most (laughs) people I should say speak. I don't want to say normal people, but like a lot of people don't talk that way. Um, especially within like our, like, you know, Western culture tends to be kind of like more dualistic, like not embodied, especially within like Western Christianity. It's very much, I mean, essentially like this is an overstatement, but like evangelicals are like Gnostics basically. And then it cracks me up because they like bail on evangelicalism. And then they're like, I'm going to go do Gnosticism. And it's like, bro, you've been doing it the whole time. Um, But like (laughs) the, that split and detachment from the body is one that, uh, you know, it's becoming yeah. more popular to talk about. So I'm just interested, like, for you, where or, like, when did that kind of start to show up for you? Yeah. And, like, how how has that changed? It's been your... one of the biggest things because I and almost like fun, because once you're in touch with, like, your body and like what your body's telling you and what you're experiencing in your body, like, I feel like you just experienced life in a some like in a much richer way uh and so like I went through when I left my job in the entertainment industry I was also going through a divorce and under pretty traumatizing circumstances I mean my ex-husband was a drug addict he was a heroin addict he went to rehab like three times and was in jail and it was like just a mess um so that was really hard. So I, I ended up in therapy because of that. And at first I like, wasn't going to go, I'm like, I don't need to go to therapy. I've got good friends, you know? Uh, <laughs> but I thank God it went to therapy and I was pretty like depressed. And my therapist like taught me to get back in touch with my body. And that's what therapists are trained to do, especially if you've been through trauma. Cause when you experience trauma, like you separate from your body, you know, and getting back and in, integrated is part of the, the, is an intervention. So I was just like learning really basic, just like mindfulness meditation, just becoming like aware. And I hadn't, I, I had never really been, I had such like a, like I mentioned, my, the church I grew up in was super like intellectual, <laughs> doing quotes, uh, super about just right belief. Like that's, you get right beliefs about theology, you get right beliefs about the Bible, and all, pretty much all those right beliefs are in Calvin's Institutes. And your feelings are lying to you, you know. When I discovered that your feelings could actually reveal, like, deep truths and insight, and I think part of this is evolutionary. Like, I've learned from working for a cognitive scientist now for a couple of years, he who founded my company, Justin Barrett, that there's all these, like, evolutionary things that develop so that your brain doesn't you don't have to be consciously aware of breathing there's a lot of things you don't have to be consciously aware of that you just do like your your mind has a system for like putting things away from your conscious mind so that you don't go crazy so that you can just focus on what you need to focus on or whatever and so 
but like bringing becoming more aware of like what you're experiencing like there's like more info in your body than you are aware of which is crazy like it sounds almost magical it's it's cool like and memory like that you, you can like i've experienced where you like access a memory you haven't had for a long time in, in meditation and and stuff like that you're like dang that was just in there like lodged in there and i can just find stuff so in that sense i found it kind of fun once i started going to therapy and like becoming aware of my feelings for the first time in my life not just since i had been through the bad marriage but like just just growing up and not really having like con the awareness of feelings and expression of emotions is valuable and all that kind of stuff and i found it to be a really important like spiritual tool too as i've like my my faith and my theology and everything has been in like a metamorphosis in the last few years um which is so interesting because it's i keep thinking like dang like the people who are most in touch with their body are the most spiritual people which seems kind of counterintuitive right <laughs> when you're you know you have this sort of these sort of negative connotations to like the body and stuff so yeah it was that initial it started in those initial experiences in therapy and then i just started to discover new tools especially meditation which has been really important role in my in my life and has also been really important to like creativity and trusting my instincts and all that kind of stuff but also just like being there for my partner and deciding making decisions about what projects I want to work on at work and like just being able to like listen to and trust myself in that way does that make sense oh very no very much so um, yeah. I remember the first time uh, somebody asked me, so I was like, I was seeing a spiritual director at the time and uh, she asked me like, well, where do you feel that in your body? <laughs> and I was like, I, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. My old, my, my first husband, we went to a couples therapist once that kept asking that. And we were both pretty annoyed by it. We were like perplexed and just annoyed. We're like, I don't fucking know. Okay. <laughs> Which at certain types of therapists like that question a lot. But but then eventually yeah. I got it. Like I was like, oh, it's super cool to figure that out. You know, now I'm right. down with it. <laughs> yeah. And then like, I mean, I mean, it sounds similar to you, like um, contemplative practice, mindfulness, meditation, those kind of things. Yeah. They're really helpful for me. Uh, getting in touch with that kind of stuff to the point where like now I try like I've learned to be able to rely on those things for like big like genuine big time life decisions um, and it's actually kind of cool because my wife uh, Noelle she has kind of even if she wouldn't use the language of like oh I'm you know consulting my body or like whatever mm -hmm. something like that <laughs> She has always been more deeply embodied and intuitive than I am. Um, mm -hmm. I like to live in, you know, the la la mind land mm -hmm. space. Uh, yeah. And so it's really, it's really cool. Just, I don't know, <clears throat> the pace and patience that she has shown me, um, but also <laughs> being able to like finally come to a place where I can understand what she's saying. And then when like both of our, bodies are like in alignment kind of you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah. um and we can make decisions that way it's been like a game changer oh, like really cool. like really yeah. big stuff um yeah 
So yeah, know. one point I was going to make too that I forgot to mention was that like I've been thinking a lot about love and, and like how I you're you're always taught that like God is love and that's like God loves you and believing God loves you. But like just believing that it's true that God loves you doesn't mean you necessarily experience the love of God, right? So you can think of about you can think of like what moments probably when you felt really loved by your wife or something like that like you just like really experienced it and with people it's a little bit easier but like and then but man maybe some people like well a lot of people you know you have moments where you really experience the love of god right and and i don't know like you can't just like i don't know it's it's not transformative or generative to just believe believe the fact that God loves you. But it is if you experience that love. And then something else I've been thinking a lot about lately, which I wonder what you think about, because I was like, I gotta ask Tom Ward what he thinks about, you know, because Tom Ward's like the love guy, right? Um, <laughs> but talking about like the idea of self-love, like, is that a thing? Like, <laughs> I wonder if like with like Tom, Tom's definition of love, like whether that's a possibility or not. Cause I was talking to my partner, to Steve-O about this this week. I was like in meditation, thinking about God's love and like trying to connect with the experience of God loving me, you know? And I was thinking about also trying to experience what self-love is like, do I love myself? And feeling like those things were kind of similar. Like I could sort of imagine what it, what I feel like, what I feel like when I look at my daughter and I feel like great love for my daughter. But then what if I imagine that love sort of like coming back at me and then having that same sense of love and compassion that I would have on a small child who's my daughter and like reflecting it back on myself. But, you know, both that happens all internally. And so does kind of an experience of God's love, you know, when you're reflecting on God's love and thinking the God of the universe sees me and knows me. Um, and I don't know, this might be, make me sound like a crazy person <laughs> right now, but these are the things I'm thinking about this week. And, um, and like, but that seems to be where like a lot of the transformation lies and like, I don't know, think, reflect on those types of things. I don't know. No, I, I am with you. Um, and I think for me, self-love has always been something that I've struggled with. Like when I, I, my therapist literally had me take a uh I don't, test isn't quite the right word but like a test you get what i mean where i had to like answer a bunch of questions and the results would show your level of self-talk mm. and it was like 10 was really good like josh is nailing it self-talk is very positive doing great zero was not good <laughs> josh <laughs> bad I scored like a fucking three out of 10 on this thing. It was oh, not man, good. Josh. And so this, but so like this, that was a while ago. Um, mm -hmm. And so like self-love has been something I've been working on. And actually it's funny you bring up Tom Ward because mm -hmm. um, within like a process relational framework. Uh, so this, I'm going to be a nerd for a second. Is that okay? I'm going to go heady and then bring that back into the body. Of course. But. Yeah. Within the process relational framework, what I like is this idea that it recognized that things are not, we're not just like these separate entities that exist in a vacuum. Right. 
but rather like I am not fully known unless people also rec- like know me in my relationship. So like if people want to know Josh fully and they don't talk about my wife, Noel, or they don't talk about, you know, my best friend, Alex and Brandon and uh, Idalu and Javad, like if, if, if I'm not known outside of these relationships that I have, that I'm not fully known. And the same is true about you and every, everybody and everything. So nothing exists in a vacuum. It's all this organic whole. And so rejection of the self, which a lot of the time is taught as like a spiritual ideal. Um, Mm -hmm. And to a point, like to an extent, it can be healthy. Like self-sacrifice is not necessarily a bad thing, but we've also seen examples of it that are not great where people use self-sacrificial language to uh, manipulate and be oppressive and abusive, whatever. But anyway, um, once we recognize though, that the rejection of the self, because we're a part of the organic whole is actually a rejection of the whole. Um, Mm, Then you're like, Oh, well, wait a minute. And so Self-love is actually, uh, in a way, you're actually participating and recognizing the organic whole and Mm -hmm. recognizing for what it is and giving into it. So um, not to be selfish, but rather recognizing the self within the larger whole um, and also recognizing that rejecting the self is also rejecting the whole. So it's like this. Oof, that's deep. That's deep and that's great. I. I love that because you can reflect on like, I mean, you're a nice guy. I, I'll just say it. I'm a nice gal. Like, <laughs> I think if you think of like all the people in the world, all the children, you think like everyone's got their own stories. So much compassion for everyone would totally like help a stranger out if they were having a hard, you know, all this kind of thing. But then like, to just, and then, but it's very also easy to say but I am not acceptable and I should be doing better than I'm doing. You know, like <laughs> you're the, the things that you're comfortable saying about yourself and, and the words that you're comfortable assigning to yourself, as opposed to like how you think of every other person in the world, there can be such a disconnect. And like, I, I remember feeling uh, and even articulating, like I can believe that God loves me, but I'm not okay, like loving myself that much. Like I can be, yeah, God's forgiven me for A, B, and C, but I don't forgive myself. And that's just how it is. Like, that's fine. Like I was like, like, and now I'm like, no, that's not fine. Like, I don't know. It seems pretty fucked up, honestly. But (laughs) I really, but I love that framing though that you just put on it. And I don't know. Are you a panentheist? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. <laughs> I am. So yeah, like in that framework too of like self-love, God love, like it's all connected, right? Um dang. Yeah. It's big. And I think it's so wait, it what too, is like... your therapist? What is what are your interventions? Is this com- <laughs> is this okay for me to ask you? <laughs> my my you got it. <clears throat> fucking three and like what is your what is your therapist what are the interventions for a three <laughs> uh i don't know just like recommended books about self-compassion and like negating like i don't know asking yourself like is when a negative so like for me 
negative thoughts come to mind all the time. Sure. Like I have constant imposter syndrome, <clears throat> like even, uh, and it like, it, and it's annoying because it comes off as like false humility. Mm-hmm. And then people like, I've gotten shit for that before. I'm like, I'm like, Mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're like, no, um, this is really how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm struggling yeah. with this. Like I, yeah. for example, like I did a, um, nothing even crazy. I was on like a panel for um, like the open and relational theology conference recently and yeah. had to like write a response to like an author's book and then present it and whatever. And I was so not confident in what I had done that I sent it to a wide variety of people, including Dan Koch and Trip Fuller, um, my friend Gabe, my wife, like a whole bunch of people. And I needed, and this is maybe not a great thing about me, but like I needed the affirmation from others to believe that like this thing that I did was actually worthy of presenting mm-hmm. on this like freaking online. Yeah. <laughs> know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's difficult. And it's... uh it slows me down in a lot of regards. And I actually, I have a hard time because um, like I used to, as you know, I used to be like a pastor Yeah. and growing up within like Christian world, like the two top things that you could do was either be a pastor if, or if you were super like even better than pastor, you could be like a missionary in a different country. Right. And like those were the ideals. And so when I stopped being a pastor, now I make I make beer like I I brew beer for a living. That's what I do. I have a hard time on a regular basis where I'm like. I used to do something meaningful and mm. now I just get people drunk <laughs> and like it's like mm-hmm. it's, re- well, it's difficult. That's about you know? like because when you're a kid and you just you're like your mind just gobbles up what's presented to you as the ideal right because you want to be loved and feel like you belong and be accepted and acceptable by the community you're born into and a lot for a lot of so that's your parents and then for a lot of us it was church really early on looking at the leaders and stuff and like I I got like for for it's very confusing too for me what I think about that because I'm like an achiever type personality I'm like the oldest kid in the family you know and I want to be like the best right like i want to be whatever the ideal is in this scenario i'm gonna figure it out you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be the most helpful and whatever and for us for women especially in this my context i felt like there were no women in leadership at my church but i still kind of like modeled the person i became after the senior male leadership and i think that was another reason why i was so detached from my emotions (laughs) for a long time and also being like really into theology um and um because right belief was so valued and that took me a long time to let go of and i think that then you're an adult and you're like the ideal the the qualities that i felt were ideal and that would make me the most acceptable version of myself i now think those things are bad and it's a total mindfuck because now you have to completely reinvent those values. Um, yeah. And figure out who you are. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's difficult. And it's, and it's interesting. And I feel like for me, 
coming to a place where I could actually accept and embrace my emotions and experience as positive input into like what is happening, so to speak. Um, that was a game changer for me because in the version of Christianity that I grew up in, experience, feelings, emotions, not good. Can't trust those things. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was, uh, that was think, interesting. And, and yeah. Yeah. Well, I heard something on a podcast that was like talking about your most like shameful, unintegrated aspects of self or whatever. And the question was like, what is the worst thing, the thing you'd be most afraid of someone coming up to you and saying, like accusing you of or whatever. And the first thing that popped up, you almost without me even trying, was like, if someone said, hey, I remember you saying this or like saying some like, you know, like anti-LGBTQ stuff that I'm like really embarrassed that I used to say, you know, like, and, and so I don't know. I'm like, how do you integrate that? Like, I don't <laughs> like, how do you own that kind of shit where you're like, I don't know, as you're just, I don't know, this is becoming really therapeutic talk about like how to accept yourself, especially in the context of having completely transformed what you believe and what you think is good in the world. <laughs> you know, no, that's um, a good. Yeah. And that's I'll. Yeah, I've not said this on the podcast before, but I I will answer the question. I think for me, the first thing that comes to mind is I absolutely cannot stand when people call me stupid. Oh, I don't know why, but that's like a big thing for me. And so part of I think part of my uh, imposter syndrome or like hesitancy or fear or whatever comes from being in a room like for example theology beer camp you were present and so were like a whole bunch of other really cool people trip invited me to be a part of it being in that room with all those people outside of like this is really fun one of the main thoughts in my head was like why the fuck am i here i don't like totally. i don't deserve to be here like these are yeah. the people that i look up to and have been helpful to me why am i present in this thing so have like, you that... always felt have you always felt like that like do you remember being really young and thinking like, oh, people oh, are, yeah, for sure. I'm dumb. I'm not smart as everyone else here kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That mm. or that and like not not fitting in kind mm -hmm, of thing. Not belonging. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. And so like belonging mm. is a big deal, which is why mm. um, on the flip side of those things, being at even though I have those thoughts at something like theology beer camp, mm -hmm. being there uh, is therapeutic because it actually helps because I can uh fully be myself express my ideas opinions whatever and mm -hmm. like no one bats an eye at it. it's just like mm -hmm. awesome cool let's talk about that kind of thing so it's interesting yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah I can't I don't like the being told I'm stupid and I feel yeah. like uh it, it's the other thing too with um even with like podcasting or uh trying to like write or anything like that I have this uh like perceived lack of authority oh, okay. because it's like yeah. don't have a phd yeah yeah don't yeah. have this oh, yeah. that whatever and so I it's know, like i can relate to that yeah who the fuck am i to say anything about anything <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah i mean when would you be smart enough good enough to belong like 
do you have this ideal of yourself that you think you because like I feel like you would you either have to like accept yourself just kind of as is like I am I'm good enough I'm smart enough and gosh darn it people like me like (laughs) you have to like otherwise you're like you would get like the PhD and there would still be reasons why you weren't smart enough or whatever you know what I mean it's like yeah yeah. big time it's that uh it's almost like the idea of if I intellectualize things which is what I do uh it's the idea of uh like the myth of the sacred object um Mm. which is there's this thing like I am somehow not whole or complete and there's this thing out there that if I got it then everything would be great and I think this Mm -hmm. is like our culture thrives on this this is 100% Advertising and marketing 101. Capitalism <laughs> loves that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, for me, if it's like, okay, well, if I got a PhD, then people would take yeah. me seriously or something yeah. like that. And I can, I know intellectually that that's yeah. bullshit, but I, I have a hard time experiencing that. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. the integration piece you're talking about yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. can throw yeah. me off. Yeah. And like for me, I have I can't I have trouble accepting that I'm like a person in process, like that. I'm not you know what I mean? Like I want to have always been 100 percent the best, you know, (laughs) when I so definitely wasn't. And like also and I need to reckon with that. And also culturally, you know, we have to make it okay for people to change their minds and give space for people to grow and, and stuff like that. But yeah, that's hard, man. Totally hard. I I find with that thing of that myth of the sacred object thing, I'm work like, I think I for a while I got like you know being present, being in the moment, whatever. Like we're all trying to work to get that, you know, to get that right. And I think that I had confused being in touch with your body with like being present in the moment, which are related concepts. But I feel like uh, I'm always doing something in order to build towards a future thing, you know, and that's how I think like every day all the time I'm like wait no no I'm living life now I'm not doing stuff for life that will I will one day achieve uh that's just I think just growing up in a capitalist society you know you just like like trying to get to the dream which it's good to have dreams and it's good to like work toward a better future but but enjoying the present is also so important anyway no, we're hitting, it, we're hitting all the stops. <laughs> yeah, but that I mean, it's it's good yeah. though. Like the the present moment thing is something that like I don't know. I always try to return to because it's so yeah. it's difficult to to grasp, but it's also at the same time so obvious. It's like the present moment is the only thing that's eternal. Um, yeah. Because we, you know, we can wax eloquently and talk about math or something and be like the future and the past and blah blah blah. But the present moment experientially is all we have. Even yeah. if you die and go to heaven, whatever the fuck that means, and continue living forever, you will experience that only in the present moment, which is the only way you experience anything. Um, yeah. So, like, you might as well be here <laughs> to experiencing it. Be here right? now. I um... yeah. I've not read that book. One thing, neither have I. <laughs> but it's a um, good. Well, that's another thing I want to talk about. Is like a lot of what we're talking about. A lot. Well, a lot of the things that have been spiritual resources for me have not been Christian spiritual resources, and they are out there. I know that. Like, I know there's like 
contemplative practice and stuff. And I'm also not saying that it's it's bad to have spiritual resources outside of Christianity. Of course not. Um, but it bums me out that there aren't more like like what you did when when you started talking about, you know, the the process, the model of like interconnectedness and how that is a resource. That's a theological resource um, that in, in, well, it can be embedded in the Christian tradition or whatever. But the uh, but it can also be part of other traditions. But those types of things, ideas can reinforce these positive values we're talking about, like self-acceptance and self-love and living in the moment and all these things. That's, I mean, like, and Greg, what, you know, what Greg's doing with his organization is kind of focused on this kind of stuff, but we need to have more. Cause like, I, I think that would be, it would be nice if some of this stuff, like that I'm learning from like internet gurus, <laughs> <laughs> which you know jan hates or whatever some of the stuff i'm learning from internet gurus or just like secular psychologists you know or like quote-unquote secular um um or like body keeps the score type stuff like it's it sometimes feels like like i still see myself as a christian and operating in my thought life in the, the christian tradition and stuff and it would be nice to not feel like Christians are all, like a lot behind the ball on all this stuff <laughs> or like taking a hint from culture and from what's the you know like I don't know like sometimes I feel so bummed out about that but I guess like we all do and that's why we're on the show <laughs> uh yeah it's I don't know the bummed out thing is interesting because like I really have found so many helpful resources within a variety of different spiritual um traditions yeah. religious traditions like for me like i mean i don't know i feel like i'm such a stereotypical like case study of like a deconstruction person but um like buddhism like specifically like zen buddhism like Thich Nhat han mm -hmm. uh yeah massive for me uh yeah. there's a dude i really like called rupert spira um who he's more like a spiritual teacher uh he's like an idealist mm -hmm. um which i i had a conversation with uh trip one time i was like dude i like this guy rupert spira he's an idealist um does idealism play nice with uh like process thought like can i be an idealist and a process thinker and then he just started laughing um and was like <laughs> well like and he listed here's a list of people and i was like Got it. All right. right <laughs> yeah. All the people I respect. So yeah, like that was helpful. Yeah. Um, but even like some of the um like like Buddhism, Hinduism, just a lot yeah. of like Eastern spirituality, I think provides um a healthy balance to a mm -hmm. lot of Western thought because mm -hmm. they are so different. Mm -hmm. And like I don't know, yeah. not to be too stereotypical, but it's almost like the yin yang thing. Like both are important. Yeah. Um and the integration of them is is ultimately the yeah. thing, right? It's not one or yeah. the other. Um, yeah. Yeah, but we need so much of the Eastern stuff because we've been so swimming. Yes, disconnected. In, uh, yeah, yes. so disconnected. We need to, like, heal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, yeah so where, so. where did... I'm interested in this. I'll, I'll share really quickly yeah. just something that I wrote down 
when you were talking, but like the question is going to be like, where did you or how did you find like creativity and novelty? How did that play into your spiritual journey or how does it continue? Um, One place for me that I just thought about um, that was healing, uh, you know, because I was talking shit about being a brewer. I don't know, five minutes ago, however long it was. Um, But actually, when Trip asked me to brew a special beer for Theology Beer Camp. um, The stars aligned. (laughs) Yeah, there was something about that. Like that was, it sounds silly, but that was like a deeply healing thing for me because I've always loved beer. I've always liked making beer. I was homebrewing before I ever, you know, while I was still a pastor, I homebrewed. Yeah. (laughs) And so getting to use creativity to make process party and then be at an event where like my uh i'll use the word that dan hates gurus because you did it earlier uh but like my heroes my you know the theological people that i really respect are like on stage in front of people drinking process party and enjoying it and also Amazing. saying cool stuff like that was yeah. so healing and that was an yes. example of creativity being able to like make something that brought people together and you know that was really cool i bet you'll see more of that in your life josh i bet more of that will show up for you too because also (laughs) like the job of the like being at a brewery too is way more speaking of like being in your body it's like a lot of physical like working with your hands and stuff instead of just like writing a sermon or you know stuff like that so i bet like well for me it totally ties into what your example is because um, I guess when I left, how should I, how far should I go back? Okay. Real, real quickly. When I was in high school, I told people I wanted to be a rock star. Like I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to like sing for a band and I did have a band for a short period of time, but then I ended up being at a music management company for 10 years and helping develop and manage the careers of musicians. And I heard this on this podcast this week that I was listening to where the woman hosting was like, yeah, I know so many people like music managers and stuff, and they just want to be an artist and you can tell, but instead they just get as close to the artists as possible and be like, this is good enough. I'm like artist adjacent. And I was like, oh, it was like, they're speaking like right at me. I was like, oh, I'm so convicted. But my connection to like music and then also storytelling, like just my creative instincts were just put on the back burner for a lot of that you know and especially working in that industry it's there's a lot of a a lack of boundaries and stuff you know where it's like it's really hard to pursue your own shit if you're helping if you're working for a company like that like you know your brain's fried at the end of the day you're working like 12 hour days and stuff like that so I went to seminary and I was like I need to be creative I need to not neglect this part of myself anymore but yeah, instead of art school, I go to seminary, which is kind of interesting. But I, I think that's because like I didn't know what my voice was. Like I didn't know what I wanted to say. Like I couldn't make an art project. I didn't know what it would be about. Like I, I didn't know what I I had all this like placeholder theology that was still kicking around. I needed to like sort of like just turn over leaves, you know, in seminary. And I did the theology and arts degree. And I kind of thought I wanted to be some kind of writer. Like I was like, I'm going to seminary, but it's actually because I want to be some kind of writer. 
and I don't want to be limited to fiction or nonfiction. I can be like C.S. Lewis and do both. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking going into it. So having quit that job and going into seminary, I thought I'm going to still I'm going to do my art projects on the side or whatever. So fast forward to to now, like. I realized that the things I care most about were sort of um, we're at this intersection of all the stuff we've been talking about, like creativity, mental health slash spiritual health, psycho spiritual health. That sounds a little woo woo, but you know, that just gets into one word. And so that's is, I want... is appreciated. Everything <laughs> <in faith. laughs> okay, cool. So, so I, I, I just realized I like had the most fun speaking at those intersections and this is after I started the podcast, but I got to go to Sundance last month, to Sundance Film Festival, which I'd been to before, but um, I ended up going to some panels and there was so much like spirituality, theology, and even explicit theology and philosophy and ethics coming up at these panels, you know, and I think that like independent film filmmaking has always been more open with the kind of subject matter or involved in activism like there's a lot of activist documentaries and stuff like that in the independent world but I felt like more than ever that like I was receiving the message that my theological identity and my interest in like spiritual and mental health that's not separate from my filmmaking that like it's not something I have to hide when I'm in the like filmmaker world when I'm at the film festival where they're doing the red carpet thing or whatever like that world is like actually crying out for more of like meaning making and how did people want to be you know with like the me too movement and these other you know George Floyd and these different movements that we see they're seeping into every industry including the filmmaking especially like filmmaking and stuff and everyone's trying to like okay like the old guard is sort of retiring of, you know, you got to be this, this kind of asshole if you want to make a movie, you know? And um, uh, and people are trying to, like, envision different ways to, like, be more inclusive on set and, um, and just in the industry overall. And people want to be treated like full human beings and want to feel that their lives are meaningful. And you do that with like this kind of stuff with talking about theology, like who am I? What is the self? Who, what is the self in relation to God and all these things? And so anyway, that's, I forget what you asked me originally, but uh, that is where I'm at right now and why I started the podcast. And, you know, like I think I'm going to find even more ways that these different aspects of my identity and like I'm in my late 30s, very, very late 30s, if you know what I mean. And (laughs) like a four in the number is coming up pretty soon. And uh, and like I'm still I still think that there's I feel like I've lived many lives and it's so cool, like that moment that you just described at beer camp of where like, oh, like it makes no sense. She worked for Rob Zombie and then she went to seminary. Whoa, that makes no sense. You know, how am I going to explain myself to someone? That's embarrassing. But no, it's like eventually there will be these moments where it's like, no, it like it all makes sense. It's all like coming together. 
I don't know exactly. I'm still, that's still being revealed, you know, and having these conversations in the podcast is part of that and helping me understand myself and connecting me with other creative people or kind of like interested in the same things. And so that's where I'm at. <laughs> Not, I, I think there's, yeah, there's so many things there. I think, um, I don't know, maybe it's just the, the idea that we talked about earlier, where it's like you share your story and other people find themselves there too, or, uh, we have parallel stories or maybe both. Um, mm-hmm. but like the, it was funny. Yeah. I wrote like three, one, two, maybe four notes here. Um, when you were just speaking and, um, of things I want to touch on based on what mm-hmm. you said, but you, you know, you talked about, um, being like, I don't know exactly how you said it, but like artist or filmmaker adjacent or something like that, or musician adjacent. And when you said that, I was like, holy shit, that's like, that's been my thing. Like I've been trying to be like theologian or philosopher adjacent. Like I have a <laughs> podcast and I talk to these cool people, but like never saw myself as that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I, you know, wanted to. And so mm-hmm. because I don't have the self-confidence to live into that kind of deal, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting. Um, and I also too, like when it comes to creativity, I n- have never thought of myself as like a creative person. Um, but when I look back and like, just look at where I've been, uh, like I have a degree in digital media and graphic design. like i uh Mm -hmm. i make stuff but Mm -hmm. i think again it's just it seems like that imposter syndrome thing keeps uh, popping up yeah because Um, the minute you say i'm this it feels like it it's it's vulnerable because someone could say no you're not (laughs) right yeah exactly yeah Yeah. you don't count or whatever yeah And, and all of that, I think the creativity thing is beautiful because it ties into the meaning making, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate. And I think meaning making has become something that's uh, been more and more important to me recently because I did like, and I'm not trying, this is going to sound dismissive. I'm not trying to be dismissive, but I've like done the deconstruction thing. And um, I got to a point within my own deconstruction journey where I was just kind of like tired of breaking stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, but like now what? Yeah. Like I need something. And so find like the meaning making has been deeply important because now I can go back and ask, like learning to ask these different questions about, you know, traditions that I grew up with or like the Christian tradition as a whole and finding the beauty and the creativity within them that provides these deep sense of meaning and then recognize like, even if I don't know, like things don't need to be uh, what's the right, how do they talk about it? Like perfect. Like the Bible doesn't have to be like a perfect historical account or like whatever, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. these stories are somehow deeply compelling. Mm -hmm. Like the person of Jesus seems to offer meaning and if that meaning is something worth giving my life to, then fuck it. Like, might as well do that thing. It's beautiful. It's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, like, I don't know. That, that's that been sweet. Um, and then the many lives thing, I think, is uh, just made me laugh because I uh, 
just relate to that so much. <laughs> like, yeah, isn't it uh, funny when you're like a certain age and you're like, these are my best friends and these are going to be my best friends forever. I've like, <laughs> I feel like I've been in that thinking like, oh, this is the thing that's going to be like the rest of my life. And then it's like, oh, actually, no, nope. it's never that thing. It's never yeah. that thing. <laughs> yes, 100 percent. It's so you come to appreciate right. things that just last a long time or like a good amount of time. You're like, oh, that lasted a while. That's great. <laughs> right. And I feel like the trick then is like, because there's a tendency to want to, and I know, and I'm, I'm only speaking out of experience because I did this. There's a tendency to want to say like, uh, oh man, previous versions of Josh was so stupid. Like, I can't believe yes. previous Josh did X, Y, and Z, whatever. But it's like recognizing like, those parts need to be integrated and that yes. pre like without the previous versions of stupid Josh, uh, current Josh <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and that doesn't mean, like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't mean that you just are like, like, I don't know. I don't want to make it sound like a hundred percent. Like I'm very hard on previous versions of self of Sari. Um, and very, like I said earlier, like very embarrassed and like ashamed of some of those previous versions, you know, but um, and, and I'm, I just don't want to make it sound like uh, I'm saying you should never like feel bad or like say sorry, you know, of course not. Of course. Not. But you can't accept the process. You can accept that you're a person in process and that uh, you were given certain things and knew what is the new shit came to light and <laughs> is that what the dude says in <laughs> in uh, big lebowski um and a new information comes to light and you revise and you revise and being open to revision is kind of just the best you can do in a lot of ways yeah and i really like the idea of like co-creation of you know what I mean? <laughs> Which I feel like I can't fully own being like an open relational theologian person. But I know that idea really resonates with me. Um, having come from like thinking that God controls everything all the time. <laughs> um, but this the idea of co-creation is really beautiful and putting your getting your mental spiritual health in order and feeling in touch with your body and knowing how to like tune into those types of things and it makes you more able to co-create good things instead of bad things so. yeah yeah the co the co-creation piece uh is so beautiful and so like that's always been attractive to me like that's part of the reason that I like like the open and relational thinking, like you don't even have to go full process to get the co-creation bit. Sure. Uh, but just this idea that we have that, like we're being invited to participate with the divine to create whatever this is yeah. <laughs> like that's yes. That's pretty fucking cool. And yes. it, it makes me pause and question like, you know, Aaron uh, Simmons, um, always ask a question like what's worthy of your finitude <laughs> and like this idea of co-creation makes me stop and like ponder that question mm -hmm. um, because it is like you know yeah somehow I have a role that I'm playing in writing the history of the world 
and like in co-creating and there's uh there's this constant um i don't know at least i feel like an impulse to constantly be giving into things that are are good and beautiful and true and what does it look like for josh patterson to be co-creative in that space what does it mean for josh to give josh's self to the co-creative process um in only a way that josh can in the same way it's like what what does it look like for sari to do it in a way that only sari can yes individual that matters because like you are you and like you're a part of the larger whole and and you're like to go back mr rogers was fucking right like there's no one else like you right like never in the history of the world like it's mathematically true that there's no one like you. So the co-creation that you can do with the divine is different than what anyone else can do. And like the world is just generating more people that the world needs to be what God wants it to be or God is calling it to be. And that's why also like you can go into these spaces. And of course, there's probably going to be debate sometimes over what is the true, the good, and the beautiful in any given situation. Sometimes that won't be perfectly clear and we can work to be more clear on that, you know. But that's why, as we're talking, going into other spaces and like other religions, other religious traditions, or like me going into Sundance and seeing like beauty and truth and like, oh my, there's a womanist theologian leading this panel right now? What the heck? Like, I did not see that coming, okay? Like, I was just, I thought this was like a celeb thing where we talk about how good our movies are or whatever, but I walk into a room and and she's talking about, her name's Trisha Hersey, she was leading this panel, and I've talked a lot about her since I bought her book, I haven't read it yet, but I've, ta- <laughs> I've talked a lot about her since then, but I worked, and I was blown away by like her talking about how she calls rest resistance you know to to capitalist systems and that's what she's talking about she's like how do we implement this idea of of rest uh to prevent burnout and so that we can all do the things that we're called to do and she's just like talking like that on this panel and i'm like yeah you know what like god's already been here got working with other people co-creating with other people and me, I'm like too shy about my like intense love of spirituality, <laughs> you know, and like thing woo-woo things and mental health tools and stuff. It's like, no, like the world, the world's asking for it. The divines learn, learn about it. <laughs> you know, it's like it's super cool. It's super cool. Yeah. I'm with you. And I think I've I don't know, just like anecdotally, I've seen like what you're talking about just within like the brewery world where Mm -hmm. um, even just people coming in and sitting at the bar and then they like strike up a conversation with you. um, Like people are longing for Mm -hmm. meaning and belonging and acceptance. And um, I feel like, you know, the other day I told... uh, a customer um like dude like people people just need three things they need to know that they're seen that they're loved and that they belong mm-hmm. um and like people are longing for that and so yeah. like being able to use creativity uh tap into that to pre- yeah. create those kind of places or or things or environments yeah. or whatever films music mm-hmm. books 
or I don't know, beer, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, it's beer like too. Thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. And sometimes when you do this stuff, like you can get tied into thinking like, okay, what is the productive use of this work of art? I try not to do that all the time. I try to do stuff that's like, I'm not thinking about how it could be because that just how it could be monetized or what if someone else read it? Like it could just be for me sometimes. And sometimes like the stuff I've written, I won't even realize what I'm writing about until afterwards. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, oh, shit, this movie actually has some very similar thematic elements as my previous movie, even though it's a totally different setting and a different type of character but I was like oh this is how I'm like working it out I'm still working some stuff out you know <laughs> and that's another thing that art can be really good for but it can also be good for putting a mirror out there for other people to be like oh dang I totally relate relate to what this person's putting out there you know um yeah yeah totally. no I feel you man I think uh man well and, and Joshua be... Patterson yeah. needs to know <laughs> That he's loved and he belongs, <laughs> and he needs it's to true. Work up to that ten. On that <laughs> test, <laughs> I gotta keep boosting my stats. Keep working on it. Yeah, keep working on working on well, that negative, converse- negative talk. <laughs> and conversations like this help move the needle. So, Sarah, I appreciate it. It's Aww. been fun. Uh, yeah, we'll have to talk again. This was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it like really this... got much deeper than I thought it would. <laughs> it did, yeah. I apologize. Uh, you don't my... need to apologize. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm glad I could go like to some of those places and that it was acceptable. <laughs> yeah, not a good deal. Yeah. Um, I'll be sure to uh, to link all of the pluggables. I wrote them down. Well, um, yeah, you could just do secretartproject.com. Be the best. Why that's like the main that's you know people could find the podcast that way and the movie but then why make it oh yeah straight to the <laughs> movie stuff so cool thanks for having me on josh i really appreciate it and hope we get to talk again more in the future yeah most definitely thanks, thanks for hanging out and uh, listeners as always um thanks for being here and go in peace <laughs>